Thank you for being here tonight. I will not be lengthy in my remarks tonight. I do not have a sermon. I have a message and you will be the determination of whether it was for you or not. But for the sake of time, turn with me to the book of Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Sister Denise Perry, it is good to see you tonight. Longtime friend of our family. And they have been, I am grateful for friends that last a lifetime. And they have been that to James and Leanne and to all of the Hughes family. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm going to read from the New Century Version. So when you read along, if you have the King James Version, it may seem a little different. But I will, I will give you um, the heads up when we go to the next verse. But I want to begin reading with verse number 1. Going to read down a few verses and then we're going to wind up uh, in verse number 10. <clears throat> he said, brothers and sisters, we have something to say about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the time when we will meet together with him. Do not become easily upset in your thinking, verse number 2, or afraid if you hear that the day of the Lord has already come. Someone may have said this is a prophecy or in a message or in a letter as if it were from us. Verse 3, do not let anyone fool you in any way that the day of the Lord will not come until the turning away from God happens and the man of evil who is on his way to hell appears. Verse number 4, he will be against and put himself above any so-called God or anything that people worship. And that man of evil will even go into God's temple and sit there and say that he is God. Verse number five, I told you when I was with you that all this would happen. Do you not remember? And now you know what is Stopping that man of evil so he will appear at the right time. Verse 7, the secret power of evil is already working in the world, but there is one who is stopping that power. And he will continue to stop it until he is taken out of the way. Then that man of evil will appear, and verse number 8, and the Lord Jesus will kill him with the breath that comes from his mouth and will destroy him with the glory of his coming. Verse 9, the, the man of evil will come by the power of Satan. He will have great power and he will do many different false miracles, signs and wonders. Verse 10, he will use every kind of evil to trick those who are lost. They will die because... Verse number 10 said, they will die because they refused to love the truth. For if they had loved the truth, they would have been saved. They received not a love of the truth that they might be saved. Verse 12 said, so to all, so all those who, all those will be judged guilty who did not believe the truth 
but enjoyed doing evil. My subject tonight is there room in your life for the truth. Amen. Is there room in your life for the truth? And everybody said amen. God bless. Truth is such a vital. Truth is such a vital part of life. Not just a truth, but the truth. There is no substitute for it. There is nothing like it in the world. I would hate to live in a world where there were no absolutes, nothing that you could count on, things that were unchanging. Truth is indispensable to life. In one sense, it is life, and it is a life that all of us need. Now, truth is not always convenient. It is not always going to make my life easier. More often than not, truth comes to me as a sobering thing, as an awakening, as a shaking in my life. There is the true balance that is presented, and there is... uh my life that is in, that, that is put in comparison with what, what lays before us as truth. Sometimes we are like the king in the book of Jeremiah, the prophet. The word of the Lord came to him and there were prophecies about the country and about himself and about their direction and their choices that did not please him. They, they, it was not what he wanted to hear. And, and so they took the scroll and they put it up and he called for the scroll to be brought and read to him. And Jeremiah chapter 36 tells how that they came and they read the scroll to him and there were things said in it that didn't, didn't make him smile. It didn't make him happy. It, uh, it went against the grain of what he wanted to do and, and his ideologies and his philosophy of life. And so he did what a lot of modern people are still doing. He took a penknife and he started cutting out the pages he didn't like and throwing them in the fire and thinking he could burn them up. You may burn up this page, but you're not going to burn up what it speaks and there's a lot of that going on in our world, things that we don't like, inconveniences, things that strike at the core of what man wants to do, that call us back to a true path and a right way. And Jehoiakim was one of those, like many modern men, who uses a penknife to cut it down to... A, a, a doctrine or an ideology or a word that's more suitable to his taste. I know that the truth is not always what we like to hear, but it is what we need to hear. I am thankful that I live in a world where there is truth. I would hate to live in a world where there was nothing that was true. 
The Word of God is spoken into our lives on countless occasions, but I'm afraid that that Word, that truth, often falls on deaf ears because we are not wanting to hear what it has to say about our present situation. The Bible has much to say about the truth, and I don't have time to go into all of it tonight, but I would remind you that the Word declares that we should all walk in the truth. Ephesians 4 and 25, and that we should walk in the truth, that that should be the path that we pursue, and that we should always worship in spirit and in truth. There should be a an acknowledgement of who it is that we're not just blindly following somebody else, but when we offer our praise and thanksgiving to Him, we are doing it out of a base of understanding that we know who He is, and He is certainly worthy of every praise that we could offer to Him. And so I, I, I want to always be one who worships in truth. I, I am not interested in worshiping falsehood. I am not interested in worshiping ideas that fit me, that make me feel good, that make me uh, intoxicated on my own goodness and my own strength and my own power. I I want my mouth to be filled with a praise unto one who is perfect in all of his ways. That his ways are past finding out and his knowledge is above my knowledge. I want to be able to lift my voice and give honor to the true King of kings and the true Lord of lords. And I'm thankful tonight that I know who he is and I know what his name is. Is there anybody in the house thankful that you know the truth of the revelation of the mighty God in Christ? Hallelujah. I want to be able to not only worship in truth and walk in truth. I I want to be able to handle it properly. Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 15 reminds him and admonishes him to handle this word properly. Do not abuse it. Do not disregard it. Do not treat it lightly. Whether you like it or not, receive it as the word from the Lord. If I had some kind of physical ailment in my body tonight and I knew I had a problem and I went to the doctor and I went for the purpose of finding out what was wrong and he sat me down and he began to list all of the things that were wrong in my life. I am not doing myself a favor when I walk out of there and say, you know what, I didn't like that. I'm going to go find me a better word. I'm going to find something that's more suitable. I want a doctor that tells me, yeah, you can have all the bluebell you want. You can eat all... Uh, 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 of the snow cones you want. I, I want a doctor that will be more in line with my feelings and not hurt my feelings. I, I want him to be more in line and be sensitive to who I am as a human. 
If my body is ravaged with sickness, I don't want him looking me in the eye and say, you know what, you're going to be all right. Everything's good. Just go home and take a couple of aspirin and drink a Dr. Pepper. Everything will be fine. I want him to look me in the eye and say, you know what, this is not good. This is what's wrong. But this is what you can do to fix it. And if you do it, you can come out. That's what I want to hear in my life. I want somebody to tell me the truth. Man, we don't hear a lot of that anymore. The word truth isn't often heard in pulpits any longer because it's too offensive. It's much like the blood. When you start dealing with blood, you have to deal with what caused that blood. And we don't like to think about what Calvary cost and what the sacrifice of his body entailed. We like to cause of who he is and the blessings and all of the benefits that come to our life because of who he is. But nobody wants to talk about the price that it paid, had to be paid so that I can enjoy those things that I, nobody wants to know about a name that is above every name and that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Man, we, we would rather have a sugar-coated God that is good all the time and, and never ruffles our feathers and never, never says anything that contradicts the things that we want to do. I don't know about you, but I've lived with myself long enough to know I can't trust myself. If I let my flesh go, my flesh isn't any different than anybody else's flesh, and I know what it would produce in my life. And so I need somebody that will bring the Word of God. And however painful it might be and however deep it may cut, I need them to open that Word and rightly divide it into my life. Because this is my life. This is what's going to help me. This is what's going to save me. It will keep me in the end. Amen. I need to handle it properly. I need to love it. I need to respect it. I need to respect it enough that I read it. Some people say they respect it, but they've never cracked the covers of it in a year or two. You can't respect anything and not at least have some kind of contact with it ever so often. I want to be a person who is willing to obey it because obedience is better than sacrifice. And I've learned this much about people and about myself. We would rather sacrifice than obey. Just tell me what it's going to cost me. I, I'm, I, I'll, I'll fork over the money. I, I'll, I'll find the lamb. I'll find the ram. But man, don't tell me that I have to quit doing something. Don't, don't tell me that I have to bring my flesh in the check. Don't tell me that I, I, I need to corner my desires and, and get a handle on my heart and my mind. No, I, I would rather you tell me something different than that. And so, I, I, I want to be one who obeys the truth, whether whether it's convenient or not. I, I want to be someone who obeys that because I want to live. Amen. Anybody here want to live? I want to live. I want to. I want to stand before God and I want to live. I want that word and I want His truth to establish my life. I want it to be stable. I, I don't want to be pushed around with every wind of doctrine. I want to know enough about this that when things come into my life that that are different than what I've been taught, that I don't just swallow it hook, line, and sinker, but I say, wait a second, let's check this out with the Word. Let's go back. What does the Word really say about that? 
We live in a culture that's very much like Eve. We don't believe that God really meant what he said. Because we don't believe that God meant what he said. We don't feel like it's any big deal if we disobey what he said. And that's what happened with Eve. She didn't seem to respect the word of God. Even though God had said that's one tree you cannot eat of. Somehow it never registered in her mind that he was talking to her. That it was she that needed to hear that message. And so when it came that moment in her life when the enemy slipped in and began the conversation with her, what immediately happened? She began to question everything that she had been told, the things that God had spoken into their life. She began to question whether they were valid or not. And it was out of that conversation that come the fall of mankind and it hasn't changed since then. It's when we begin to question the word of God and we say, well, does that really apply to now? Does that, is that really for our day? I, I want to tell you something tonight, church. I'm not interested in whether it's for my day. I want to know, is it the truth? And if it's the truth, then I want to live it, whether it was for my day or whether my day accepts it or not. I want to live it because I need the truth. I want to know the truth because the truth is what makes you free. Amen. The truth is what liberates you. The reason a lot of people are still bound is because they don't want to embrace the truth in some measure in their life. And the truth is more than just thou's and these and, and do's and don't. The truth is that you are more than a conqueror through Christ. And if you're living in a lifestyle that is less than that, then you are not believing the truth that God speaks about your life. It is important that we understand the word and that we receive that word because it is that word that gives life and it is that truth that sets us free. Man, how many years did people live in fear of, of the darkness because they didn't know what was there until somebody challenged the darkness. And they said darkness can be overcome. And a man invented the light bulb and turned on a switch and immediately the terrors of darkness have to flee because now there's light. And that knowledge has set us free from a lot of superstitions and how many other things in life have we been freed from because somebody spoke the truth into our life. Somebody said that this is the way, walk in it. Amen. I'm thankful that I heard a word behind me saying this is the way, walk in it. So I want to not only obey it and I not only want to worship in it, And I not only want to walk in it and speak it, but I also want to be established in it. I don't want to be guilty of what happened, not only in Scripture, but even in our times. Romans 1.25 said that some men are guilty of trying to change the truth. They change the truth. Romans 2 and 8 goes on to say that some people simply disobey it. They hear it, but they refuse to acknowledge it. Galatians 2 and 17, Paul said that many people walk contrary to truth. They walk contrary to what it speaks. First Timothy 6 and 5 
says that we can be destitute. We can be completely of any truth. But imagine a life that is completely void of any truth. But that is a possibility that you could get to the place that there's not one ounce of truth in your life because of the way you have treated it or ignored it or many other things. Second Timothy 3 and 8 says that there are those who resist the truth, that they, they fight against it, they push away from it, they stiff arm God when God gets near and said, don't, 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 don't talk to me about that. Don't talk to me about that. Second Timothy 4 and 4 tells us that some people turned from the truth. They got tired of walking in the way of truth. I can't imagine that, but I know that that's happened, and it happens over and over. And 2 Thessalonians 2 and 12 says that they didn't believe the truth. When I read all these things and I began to consider the implications, my mind began to go back to the beginning. There's got to be a cause there's got to be a reason for this. There's got to be something that put this in motion. What what put in motion uh, the, the 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 attitude that that gave a man the arrogance or the right to think that he could change it or he could alter it to fit his own personal agenda or his own personal taste? What what was it that caused a man to disobey it, to hear it, but say, you know what, I'm not. Putting, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not living that way. What caused a man to walk contrary to it? I mean, you know it. It's there. It's in black and white. And yet, in spite of that, you just choose to do your own thing and walk your own way. I said, God, how in the world could we get to a place where we would even resist you and stiff arm you when you try to come near and embrace us with your word and draw us near with your truth and speak it into our heart? How could it be that sometimes we're like this with you, God? How could it be that we would even turn our backs on it and walk away from it and act as if it wasn't important? How could, how could we come to the place that we would not believe it? How could we get to a place where we would not even believe? It doesn't matter that it's read. It doesn't matter that it's preached. It's like, I don't believe that. I don't, believe, I don't believe that's necessary. I don't believe that matters. I don't believe that. I don't believe that matters anymore to God. And I said, Lord, how could this be possible? How, how could this happen? I mean, truth is so vital and so important. How could, how could this happen that a person could become so arrogant and so full of themselves that they say, ah, I don't believe that. What would allow me to become that way? What would allow any of us to become like that? What would put me in the place? What would pave the way in my life for my ears to become dull so that I cannot hear that word when it is preached? It doesn't have the impact on me. It doesn't touch me. It doesn't reach me. And then the Lord reminded me the cause and the root effect of all of these things boils down to one simple thing. 
He said, because they received not a love for the truth. It doesn't say they didn't receive it. It doesn't say they didn't hear it. It doesn't say they didn't know it. It simply says they never fell in love with it. They never let it pass from the head to the heart. Because that's the deepest relationship you can have with God. It's not a head knowledge. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. God's already got your beat on that. The wisest among us are ignorant compared to His wisdom. Our wisdom is as foolishness to Him. So I can't outthink God. I can never be be wiser than God. I'm never going to be smarter than God. So the deepest relationship that I can have with God is not a mental relationship. And it is not just a knowledge relationship because I've been around a lot of backslidden people that could quote Acts 2.38 and every other Bible verse you could pull up to them and then cuss like a sailor and live like one too. But what puts me in the place where I can get, I say, uh-oh, I don't want to hear that, Pastor. Don't, 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 don't go down that road. I'm not interested in that tonight. What could get me in the place where I could say, you know what, I don't believe that. I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's necessary. I, I, who does he think he is anyway? Up there telling everybody what to do. Who is he to think that he's, Knows more. I don't know any more than you know all, I, but I do know the word. And I have come to understand that the saving grace of this word is not that I know it. And it's not that I hear it. But it's that I love it. That it gets so deeply rooted in my heart that it makes an impact on my entire being. And you know what? In the end time, the Bible does not say that they will be lost because they had no knowledge of truth. They does not say they will be lost because they never heard the truth. It says they were lost because they never loved the truth. Because if they had loved the truth, it would have saved them. It would have kept them. It is that redeeming virtue that when your mind rebels against it, it reaches out and grabs hold of you and said, come on back here. You're not going down that path. It is that redeeming virtue that when your flesh rises up and said, I don't have to listen to that. It gets hold of those emotions and pulls them back in and said, oh, yes, you do. If you know what's good for you, you do. Amen. You know, I'm not worried tonight about whether you can quote Scripture. I'm concerned about whether you love it. Because if we really love this, like we say we do, it'll have a great impact on the way we live our lives. You know, that lady right over there has had more influence over my life than even my mom and dad. Love my mom and dad. 
But when I fell in love, something happened in me that made me want to straighten up. Now, I'm not straight as I need to be, so don't get any wrong ideas. And she could tell you, I'm sure, that I'm, I'm not perfect by any means. But what has governed my life has not been the knowledge of a marriage certificate that Pastor Kilgore signed in 1975. What has kept me in that relationship is not a seal from the state saying they acknowledge that I am married. What has kept me has been the fact that I love her and I don't want to do anything to hurt her and I want to represent her well and I want her to be honored in the way that I live. I don't want to live my life so that she goes through wondering, does he love me or does he not love me? Is he concerned about me or does he not care about me? Is he going to be faithful to me or is he not going to be faithful to me? Love is what changed everything. It changed a contract into something deeper, more profound. It changed the law, which is which has power to kill. It destroys. That's what the Word says. The letter killeth. It's so brutal. I mean, it doesn't spare. But the Spirit that has something to do with the love that I'm talking about, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, first of all, and many other things, but that first and foremost issue in my life, is love. This is what takes that word that's so bitter, but when you put it in your mouth, it becomes sweet like honeycomb. It's that word that when you first read it, your flesh rebels and coils and recoils from it. He said, oh, and then you decide to go ahead and walk into it and it becomes the best way of life you could imagine. People look at us, what are you doing at church on a Sunday night? My Lord, don't you have a light? Yes, I do. It's right here. (laughs) It's right here. And I'm not worried about you being lost because you don't know Scripture. But I am worried that there are going to be people that are going to be lost because they never fell in love with it. It was just head knowledge. It was not a hard experience. Spare anything, but don't spare the truth in my life. Because I must be saved. My question tonight, is there still room in your life for the truth? Is there room in your life for that which is contrary to your flesh and contrary to your earthly wishes? Is there still room for that word to come and settle in your life and empower you to live a life of overcoming? Amen. Stand with me. I don't know, but I feel tonight that one of the great 
shortcomings in my own life has been the fact that I don't love this word as much as I should love it. And though I have applied myself to it for many, many years, 40 plus years that I have been preaching. There's something about it that every time you go back to it, it's richer, it's deeper, it's fuller. And every time you commune with him and you let that word into your life and and it goes against the grain and it stirs you up. By the time it's all said and done, you look back and you you thank you, God, for stirring me up. One of the most dangerous things that can happen in a person's life is that they come to a place in their living where they're never stirred again. They're not stirred. And the, the scripture says that that in itself is a dangerous place to be. When salt loses its savor, it's good for nothing. How could that happen? How could, how could salt lose its savor? When it loses its 